Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Ice Man, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the University of Cincinnati Bearcat basketball. Now, do me a favor if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm up to 2,438 subscribers. If you guys are one of the originals, I just did a throwback intro right there. If you're watching on YouTube right now for the uh, podcast listeners, that's what the, the music was. It was the old old music. My old intro I had about, I don't know, five years ago. Anyway, do me a favor. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button and the bell for notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you got a question you want to ask, legendary Bearcat basketball player Terry Nelson and broadcaster, Terry Nelson, give me a super chat. Or we got something you want to ask, uh, Nate Meyer. He, uh, or excuse me, Neil Meyer. Nate's his cousin. I can do that every time. Neil Meyer. Uh, he's from the uh, front office news. Yeah, he, you know, in there with the uh, with the Bearcats and all the news. Uh, give me a super chat. Or if you want to support the show, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from this glorious place down here. It's the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And we're talking Bearcats today, but we still hit the jackpot when we drafted Jackpot Joey. So if you guys want any of the gear, the hats, uh, the shirts, any of that stuff, go to jackpotjoey9.com. The beer is from Brick Brewery. It is pretty much everywhere here in the Tri-State area. Make sure you go drink some of that delicious beer. All portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund of the Joe Burrow Foundation. All right, let's get to this thing. Let's get to the man, the myth, the legend. He is Terry Nelson. Terry, what's going on, my man? He, he's playing hurt today. He's playing hurt today. <laughs> I'm on the. I'm on the. Uh, I'm not on the IR, but I'm on the. Uh, I'm probable. He's probable. You're the probable list. All right. So Neil, I hate. To say, I don't have an intro for you. I had it on my my other other screen, but since I did the Bearcats, I don't have an intro for you. So we just got to pop it straight on. So hey, <laughs> how are you guys doing? What's up, man? What's Usually up, man? I have an intro for everybody, but I I did the Bearcats and I can't move it over. Anyway, it's it's a whole thing. No, you're all good, man. All good. All right. So Bearcats played Howard last night. Uh, one. Um, it was a little more stressful than I thought it was going to be. If anybody tried to watch the TV broadcast, uh, it was awful. <laughs> but Terry and Dan did a great job. Um, I'll start with you, Terry. How do you feel about the way the Bearcats season started and how they played last night? Well, you're going to find out about them in the hostile environment, which it was um, freezing. <laughs> they call it Bird Gym for a reason. Gosh, it was during the shoot around, it was like a sauna in there. And so I don't know if they were trying to save energy or they're, I don't know, but they have the, all these vents that are right behind the bench where the scores table or, or right. the, the media table. Right. 
and all the vents are blowing out cold air. So Dan and I are doing the game with our jackets on. Like he had a parka. He put a parka on. I got a hoodie. I got my hoodie on, and I'm calling the game. I'm like, man, we feel like we're outside. Like it was like 35 degrees in the – it was horrible. But That's why your voice, your voice sounds like that probably. <laughs> yes, I got worse, man. I must have went through a whole bag of, uh, you know, hauls and whatever. But they – I thought there was some good things in there. You know, we played big boy ball, only had three threes, um, and still scored 84 points or 86 points with overtime. And so we're capable of attacking and, you know, getting defensive pressure, getting out on the run and, and breaking defense down and causing them to collapse. And, you know, we got guys that can dunk. We must have, I don't know, seven, eight dunks yesterday, whatever it we, was. We didn't get to see a lot of them on the t- on TV, though. <laughs> oh, it was a horrible broadcast. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was a horrible broadcast. Oh, it was god-awful. I'm going through it right now, but, you know, they're trying. It's a shame that they just don't have somebody that can direct them and coordinate them. Um, Something. Get, 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 get the camera out, out of the stands from behind the, the hoop so you can actually see the whole freaking court. It was annoying. Yeah. All right, Neil, so what, what's your thoughts on, on the game last night there for the Bearcats? Yeah, man, obviously we talk about the broadcast. Uh, watching it back home in Cincinnati, the broadcast was was a little bit struggling. I mean, I was kind of frustrated at the broadcast because that final play where Seth Towns hits the three to go to overtime, I mean, you couldn't even see it. The whole broadcast was filmed at half court, so missed the final possession of the broadcast. But overall, I really liked what we saw from the Bearcats. I mean, they knew, they knew going on the road in that environment was going to be a tough one just because of how small that gym was and it was compact, as Terry mentioned. But this was their first true road game of the season and was going to be the only one before conference play outside of Dayton at Heritage Bank Center and then Xavier right down the street at the Cintas Center. So this was that road test that they needed, and it showed uh, the adversity they had to face. But I was proud with how they responded. I was really pleased with how Jizzle James impacted the game Uh, There in the second half on the defensive side of the ball, I thought his defense uh, created a lot of offense, turned it into the offense uh, for the Bearcats. And I thought that right there, his play there early in the second half, I think it was a 7-0 run that really sparked some momentum there. So I thought Jizzle James' performance there in the second half was great. I thought Dan Skillings had a great night as well. I thought he really impacted the game on many different ways. But if you can uh, find ways to score in the paint, that's huge. I mean, obviously – the three ball wasn't falling. Uh, I think they went just knocked down just three, and all three were from CMOS Lukosius. So, overall, if they can find the way to score in the paint on an off shooting night like that and still come out with the W, they're in great hands. So, overall, I was pleased with the effort. Now, how surprised, well, Terry, I know you mentioned this on the broadcast, that Jizzle James did not, as far, I'm pretty sure, Mark, did not see the floor in, in the overtime period. I was kind of surprised by that. What's your thoughts on that, Terry? Yeah, maybe the last five minutes of the game in overtime. So I was very surprised because I thought he had it going. I mean, he brought him back, scored nine straight points in overtime. I mean, in the second half, to we were down four and we go up five Mm -hmm. when he goes on his little flurry. And so, but you know, coach was trying to stick with the guy who looked great in practice. And I'm like, okay, look at the eye test (laughs) practice and game. He doesn't have it today. And I thought Day Day in the overtime, like over dribbled, didn't yes. have a plan. Mm-hmm. He, he was going weaving in throughout the paint with no no real place to go with the ball. And then he passed the ball with three seconds to go and like here. 
Yeah. What are you supposed to do with it then? <laughs> right. <laughs> had turnovers, but they should have had five because those right. two that they had to rush to get the ball off were his turnovers. Right. Because you're forcing a guy who's not a catch and shoot player to make a play at the free throw line, like Vic or somebody, you know, you give them the ball. And I just thought, you know, as good as Day Day is, he didn't have it that day. And I thought that um, when you have a deep team, when guys perform, you know, you play a deep team in the first half, you play them in the, you know, first 10 minutes of the second half. And then last 10 minutes, you kind of go with the guys that you think got the hot hand and that are right. the best. And I thought we should have went with Jizzle James. Yeah, I was with you on that. Now, my next question is, with the way this this team is stacked, that we it's a pretty good mixture. We got transfers. We got some guys that have been here, a freshman, stuff like that. Do you always need that one guy? That that Steve Logan, you know, that Kenyon Martin. That I'm not talking about necessarily NBA players, but that one guy that okay, you, you need a basket. We're gonna go and we're gonna allow this guy either to to get the basket or at least make a play to get somebody else open to make that that last shot. Do are we try, starting to see who that might that guy might be? Because I kind of thought it was looking like it was Jizzle James, but then he didn't play. So what what do you Neil I'll go with you or Neil I'll go with you? Yeah, me personally. I mean, I I thought we saw it last night. I mean, they were. Uh, up one, Dan Skillings gets the ball at the top of the key, goes baseline, gets the layup right there with, I think it was eight seconds left. Mm -hmm. And that's been Dan's bread and butter for anyone who's watched mm -hmm. the team this season is that left-handed dribble drive, get to the baseline and attack. And I thought that was the that was the play they were trying to set up there. And I think Dan's been the guy down the stretch recently. And, I mean, everybody knows his game is just scratching the surface. And we saw it with the 25-9 and nine game earlier in the season. But – Dan has a lot of things that he's still working on, and he's going to be elevating his game as the season goes on. But I thought that was the drive, the shot they were looking there. Obviously, you can argue should you have fouled before the overtime. They, they should have fouled at halftime, I, or, or the end of the game. I think they should have fouled because don't let them shoot a three pointer. <laughs> that that was my opinion. Yeah, but I thought personally going into overtime, I thought they got the look they wanted with Dan, and I think that was the mismatch they wanted was to get Dan on the dribble drive and get that shot off. But overall, I was pleased with it. I thought Dan was the guy last night who they wanted that shot for, and I'm glad it, it fell and went the Bearcats' way. Yeah, they wanted the foul. And so – but Dan was too far away from his – from the offensive player that he was guarding, and he didn't want to foul him, mm. you know. And so by the time he caught the ball – it was too late because he was already in his motion. So Dan decided to just back off and hope he missed it. Mm -hmm. You know, but Seth's a good player. You know, he's 26 years old, so he's been around the block right more than once. Yeah, they they, they had a couple couple good score scores on, on that team. I, I was uh I was kind of surprised at how uh, good they were. Now, they played uh, uh, Georgia Tech pretty tough too. So uh, yeah, that's uh, so I was surprised a little bit, but but not as much. Now I was thinking that the Bearcats would go in there and, and dominate a little bit more. Now that, that's the thing that is kind of worried me with this preseason schedule. We really haven't played anybody. I mean, you got Xavier coming up and they got Dayton. And that's really about it. Go heading into the big 12. And I know West wants to try to you know get the confidence going and all that stuff, but we're going to go into the big 12 and the big 12. That's big boy basketball right there. And that's the part where I'm, I'm more concerned about the, the, the teams that we've been playing in the, in the preseason. What, what are you guys' thoughts on that as, as far as – Well, let me let me, let me me jump in here real quick. Go ahead. When you say they don't they haven't played anybody, maybe they haven't played named teams. But mm -hmm. three of the teams that they played were picked to win their conference. Right. So – and it, it just so happens that the Bearcats look so dominant and make the other team look lesser. 
And I hope that's the case. I, that, that's it, what it I'm hoping. Very, yeah. Think about this. They beat Georgia Tech by 38 points. Right. Georgia Tech beats 20th ranked or 21st ranked uh, Mississippi, uh, beat them by 14. It controlled the game the other day. It's an mm -hmm. up and down. You just never know right. how college is. And when you look at a mid-major, whether it be Eastern Washington, which, you know, um, very well could have been an NCAA tournament team. They lost the last game of the – they lost the tournament, the conference tournament, after they won the regular season. Uh, Northern Kentucky's picked to win their conference, mm -hmm. and Howard's picked to win theirs. So you have all these teams that are um, – they have talent. And when you go to those mid-majors, a lot of mid-majors have guys that played at high majors that transferred out. So you don't have the mid-major talent. You just right. got a mid-major name. Right, right. Because right. in college basketball, it's like – it's like dating, you know, I break up with somebody and all of a sudden she's dating strawberry. That'd be a downgrade. Start dating yeah, me yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Neil break up with somebody and all of a sudden she's in my DMs. I'm like, stop it. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's how college basketball is. Right. Well, I say that because remember, Terry, I saw you at the, the first game of the, the football season and I was talking to you. I'm going, hey, I think we're looking pretty good. Yada, yada, yada. So that's where I'm kind of. Oh, I, I'm trying to hold myself back with the basketball because football, you know, we, we went downhill real quick. So that's where I'm kind of, I'm trying to hold my, because you know me, I'm a Bearcat fan, true and true. I get excited really, really easily about my team. So I'm trying to to, to, to hold it back a little because I really personally think we can make some noise in the Big 12, especially since we got, got one of our seven-footers back. What, Neil, you are talking about this last time we were on the show. Where are we at on, and I, I his name always slips my mind, the other seven-footer that we're trying to get eligible. Where are we at on that? Jimmy I'll go with you, Neil, first. Go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, Coach West said last conversation they had with the NCAA on Jamil's was sounds like they were kind of targeting a December time frame on the appeal process. I know he said they submitted it. West has been very adamant in his frustrations with the NCAA in the cases regarding Aziz Bandego and Jamil Reynolds, but Overall, I think right now they're just still kind of playing it out, waiting the appeal process. But for me personally, I would not be surprised to see him out there by the end of or beginning of conference play with how these appeals have started to come in and out now throughout all of college basketball. I mean, you're seeing more of these two-time transfers get eligible as the time goes on. So I think they're starting to get through these some of these waiver claims quickly. And me personally, there is no update, but I do expect to see Jamil Reynolds on the court sometime this season. What's your thoughts, Terry? Yeah, he definitely needs to be on the court. And he, along with Vic, are our two best post players. Mm -hmm. Jamil has, you know, Vic's got an arsenal. People just don't understand how crafty he is. Oh, he just doesn't yes. dunk the ball a lot, you know. But he's very skilled. He finger rolled from the middle of the paint the other day. You, know? I, you said that. I, I was because I still remember you on the radio going, and you, you're like, you finger rolling. I'm sitting there going, Terry's going, dunk the damn ball. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was saying the <laughs> Shot five for five from three the other night as well. So, yeah. so he's got he's got a bag. But Jamil Reynolds, for somebody who's six eleven, he has the highest vertical jump on the team at forty two, and he jumps and he dunks everything around the basket. So, much like Aziz, when Aziz has the ball around the basket, he's looking to dunk it. Mm -hmm. um, Aziz is a you know kind of be a smooth dunker. He dunks it and tries to get back on defense, whereas Jamil's trying to break the rim. Right. You know, and it's it's powerful. It's forceful. Um, and he's got to continue to develop his motor. And that's one thing where, you know, he's dropped 40 to 50 pounds in the monster factory when he got here. 
And one of the things that he had a low motor when he was at Temple and UCF, that's kind of why he bounced around. But the culture of Cincinnati with how they run, how the offense is moving side to side, and it's not just the big guy going to the block and running. You know, the big guy's sitting at screens, and he's coming to the top of the key. He's got a three-point shot. He shoots the three very well as well. So he's got some tools that need to be worked out before we get to the Big 12. I hope we can get him back and get him in some of these games right. leading up to the Big 12 because I just would hate to have him say, okay, you guys are ready to go. Uh, he can come in and play, and then all of a sudden you throw him into, you know, we're playing BYU in Texas. Uh-huh. Right. You know, because I want him – the sad part is I think the guy on the outs is going to lose the minutes is Odia Guama, and you saw it already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when when Vic – like if they had if, – if Howard had true big men, then you would have saw a different level from Aziz. Right. Because he defends bigs very well. Well, they went small and took him out on the wing. And his arms are so long and, and kind of heavy that when they rose up and shot, he couldn't get his hand up fast enough. To, so they were just pulling him out and, and taking advantage of him. So that's why he didn't play mm-hmm. in the second half hardly in the last eight minutes going down the stretch because Coach wanted to feature Big Vic down there with four perimeter players. Right. And although that helped us in our ISO and scoring down low, it really hurt our defense. So, how, Terry, as a former player, how do you how do you feel about the way Wes has handled this whole situation with with the transfers and the way he that I feel he stood up for his players? I mean, I I, I like that personally. How, what's your thoughts on the way way he's handled this? Well, he's going to bat because he realized that NCAA know they're wrong. I mean, it's just their last stance. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to uh, they're trying to to uh, have one last stance of relevance and dominance. And I think the only reason I believe that they allowed Aziz to go because when the attorney general said, okay, he has 13 other AGs and they're going to be the ones that's going to, you know, sue the NCAA. Mm -hmm. If they would have sued the NCAA, it would have become legislation and they would have lost all power. So guys would have been able to just transfer the second time. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of guys that are being denied. And it's like, for what? Right. That's what I don't get. It's the NIL era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coaches can transfer three times in five years. You know, they, they can take three different jobs in five right. years. Right. You know, coach can go from a defensive coordinator to a, you know, associate head coach somewhere else, be a head coach mm-hmm. where you can take two head coaching jobs and go. I mean, it's just coaches have autonomy, but players, players have to sit and do what the NCAA does or tells them to do. When the NCAA gives you no updates, there's no text messages. There's no emails that says, Hey, we're going to give you, we'll get back to you and, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. I think if they're going to hold somebody out from a double transfer, there needs to be an injunction that says you can play until we resolve this. Right. And if we resolve it and say that, you know what, there's no more appeals to be had, then your season is over. But why keep a kid out? Right. Exactly. He did did nothing wrong. Yeah. You, you laid the criteria out. Mm -hmm. You so strawberry, you invite me over your house. You Mm -hmm. say, I need you to take your shoes off before you come in the house. Uh, take your shoes off and, and hang your coat up and meet me in the bar. Right. I come in, I get, I do exactly what you do. I take my shoes off, uh, hang my coat up, meet you in the bar, and you look at me and say, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I, I did what you said. <laughs> right. Like, no, but you're not supposed to be here. Like, right. I didn't, 
no, that was just I was just saying if you ever came over, right. take the shoes off. Right. But now that you're here, I don't know why the hell you're here. I didn't invite you. <laughs> right, exactly. And this, they, they told them, they said, look, okay, you got exigent, uh, you got to have uh, some a mental, it's got to be something that's, that's mentally wrong. Uh, some, you're going to have something that's physically um, uh, wrong. I'm, my wording is all wrong. And they're going to have exigent, the word I can't have it, exit, whatever the circumstances are. They're going right. to have some crazy circumstances. He, he he met all those, laid it out, mm-hmm. gave it to them, both of them. Right. And the NCA with NCAAs, they was like, well, why Cincinnati? And why not West Virginia? So they held them out because they, the answer wasn't good enough for them. And then when they threatened to sue them, they said, oh, we got new information. You ain't got new information. You're just scared to get sued. Right. And then said, with Jamil, it's more with Temple. Uh-huh. Temple won't release them. Mm, okay. They fire the coach. Three of their top players leave. They're playing. Yeah. But Temple won't. So it's it's not as much the NCAA with Jamil. Um, the NCAA can go ahead and, and grant it without Temple, but Temple is the one that's holding back. And it's just it's unfortunate that other institutions are holding back players when they claim to be of higher education. Yeah, and it's had, supposed to be about the kids. It's supposed to be about they always claim about it's about, about the kids and about you know getting education. Yeah. But you're going to hold hold the kid back. That that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Neil, what, what's your thoughts on on how Wes has handled this whole situation? Yeah, man. Personally, I've loved how he's handled it. I mean, he's standing up for these young men, and and honestly, like being a younger adult, like you love to see that from someone in his position. Because I'm only 24, so I can really relate to what those guys are going through. Like, obviously, I had to finish college through COVID. Next thing you know, it's these guys have to go through every day and then they have to face the factor. They transferred here based on guidelines and decisions that the NCAA laid out to them just to get told they're not eligible. And as, as a college athlete, that's not easy because then you're on top of your schoolwork and then you have all that going through your mind. You still got to go to practice and everything. Then you come home and you have to think of the factor. Oh, I can't play. What's going on? Mm-hmm. The mental health aspect of that is not easy for a college athlete. It's not from the NCAA saying, hey, you can't play. Overall, but Coach Miller was, man, if I was a player, a high school recruit, and I had a coach standing for his players for what, like, Wes Miller has, man, I'd be fired up. I would say I want to play for that guy. Like, I, me personally, I loved it. Like, he's got the very first interview. I think I looked at somebody after the press conference, and we all looked, and we're like, all right, who's ready to strap up and go through a brick wall right now? Like, <laughs> That's the kind of guy you want leading the program. And, I mean, he's not backing down, and he's made it known that. And, honestly, as as a coach, like, that's what you want in your players. Like, your players want to look up to a coach who's going to stand by their side through thick and thin, and that's what Wes Miller's doing. Exactly. All right, so with all that being said, we got the Crosstown Shootout coming up here. we got to get through uh, Florida Gulf Coast here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of losing to Xavier. <laughs> I I think this is the year we, we, we get it done. How confident are you guys – uh, in the crosstown shootout this year, over the Bearcats come out with a victory. Terry, I'll let you go first. I'm I'm very confident. Uh, you know, we got we got the talent. We got some guys that are kind of pissed that they haven't won this game, mm-hmm. and so they're going to make it personal. Although Xavier has a whole new team, yeah. You know, you you look at some of the two players that they had coming back. One's got a heart issue, and one broke his foot. So, so you got a bunch of you know, guys with European European uh, descent, and they shoot threes, and they're they're a good team offensively. They're having a, I think the problem when I saw them play, the problem that they're having, they're having some breakdowns defensively in certain uh, key key times of the game. 
that allow other teams to get on runs. And that happened to every team in college basketball. But they just happened to play some really good teams right now that exposed them because you got teams that have had some veterans that they play against. They know how to run their offense. And the communication issue seems to be an issue early on with Xavier, which Sean Miller, which I believe is a great coach. I love him a lot. Um, he, he's going to he's gonna work those out. But I think Wes is ready. Wes mm-hmm. is embracing uh, the challenge. You know, some coaches that we had in the past didn't embrace the crosstown shootout. They wanted to get rid of it. And Wes is like, no, I want big games. Like, He's used to North Carolina Duke. He's used to North Carolina Wake Forest. And he's used to those big, big games that those rivalry games where yes. it, it, it makes practice a little bit more focused and your blood boils a little bit more in every mm-hmm. call. And you got to make sure that, you know, you say the right things to the officials because you don't want to penalize your team by getting technicals because you're right. so passionate about the game. He yeah. wants those moments. And I believe that, it, you know, we really want it uh, – Jamil back for this game. Yeah. You know, we wanted him for this game, but we feel confident with with what the Bearcats have mm-hmm. that they can go in there and get a win. I'm not predicting a blowout. I'm not predicting anything. <laughs> when is it ever a blowout? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that yeah. I, I just think that for once we kind of meet the standard of what it takes to go in there and, and win in Centos. Now, to your point of, of how Wes has in, in embraced this rivalry, I was listening to uh, Chad Brennan's uh, podcast. I, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, he was, had Cunningham on there, and, and the athletic tra- director, Cunningham. And he, he said that Wes told him last year, I think it was, he walked out of the court, he grabbed him by the shoulders, and said, I love this S. He goes, this, he said, this, he, he thought, Wes told Cunningham that this is more intense than Duke, North Carolina, because you only play it once. It's not twice. You play it once a year. And it's the city. I mean, I mean, they're literally blocks apart. So I mean, it's not for a state; it's for a city, you know. And it's one time a year and one time only. And you better win that game, or you're going to hear about it the rest of the year. So that's what I do love about West that he has embraced this a lot of the the Bearcat culture and the Bearcat yeah. history and everything. And and that's that's something that I don't think we had in the last couple of coaches that he has. And, and I'm like, he's reached out to four players like you, Terry and Corey Blunt, all that stuff. And I love it. He has the seats behind the, the bench and has you guys there when you, you, well, you're usually working the games, but you know, your teammates are there and all that stuff. So I love that part about, about what Wes has. You know, what, what's your thoughts on a crosstown shootout and the Bearcats going into it? Yeah. I, I honestly like the chances this season. I mean, obviously we talk about this is a game you can never count as a blowout. I mean, last year is a great example of that. Xavier was up, almost 20 at one point, and then David DeJulius comes down the court and hits this crazy acrobatic three to tie this thing up before overtime. So, I mean, this is a game where you can never count anything out. But Mm -hmm. the rivalry between these two programs is what makes it so unique. I mean, just three miles apart, right down the street from each other. But this is also a team for Xavier that Terry mentioned with Jerome Hunter out. Zach Fremantle out. This is a whole different Xavier ball club. I mean, Desmond Claude's the only key returner from a season to go for them, and he's off to a great sophomore campaign for Sean Miller and the Musketeers. But overall, they have a lot of three-point shooting that they went overseas and brought in. But me personally, I think the Bearcats have the size in there between Aziz Bandego, Victor Lockin, Odio Guama down low. And then you also have the guard play. I think the guard play is going to be fantastic in this matchup. I mean, obviously, Desmond Claude 
Dan Skillings will be an interesting matchup or Desmond Claude, John Newman, however Wes Miller and the staff decide to match that thing up. I think that's going to be the matchup to watch right there is whoever is guarding Desmond Claude. And me personally, I mean, we all know what kind of defender John Newman is. So that's a matchup right there that I would keep an eye on is Desmond Claude versus John Newman. But overall, I like the chances. I mean, and I think really like what got the tone set this season heading into this Crosstown shootout was the Nasty Natties run in the TBT. I mean, most of these players yep. and uh, current guys and staff were there throughout this tournament run. And even some of those Nasty Natty guys even said it. They never won in Cintas until this summer. Mm-hmm. So now that they got that under the way, the momentum's kind of flowing back this way. I really like the chances heading into Cintas next week, and it, it's going to be a fun one. But Wes Miller also, you mentioned it, Wes Miller also did call this rivalry last year better than the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. And that's that's, that's something big. that's big because he embraces the rivalry. He knows. And, I mean, he's played in those big-time rivalries with Coach Williams, and Coach uh, Coach K down there. So, I mean, he understands what is at stake for this city. And everybody who knows Wes has got to talk to Wes. He knows and cares so much about this city of Cincinnati, this program, this university. He is doing a lot of great things to help this community, this city. And it's going to be even better when he gets that first win at the Crosstown shootout. And if it comes this season at CentOS, like, it's going to be a huge, a huge opportunity for Wes Miller and the Bearcats come next week. Now, one thing we keep talking about <clears throat> the intensity of the rivalry and how great it is. One thing that I feel like back in the the nineties and even even when uh, well you early nineties when you played Terry, it seemed like the national it was more of a national game. Like ESPN promoted it a lot more than they do now. And to me, because it, it used to be like like during the season and later on in the season, like January or something, it was there, and, and they moved it to to, to the preseason. It has a lot lost its luster here, but I just feel nationally it doesn't get the the promotion that it used to. Do you, do you feel feel that way, Terry? Well, you know they keep showing the fight. <laughs> yeah, the, you know yeah. that we used to play that game in February. Yes, February. In yes, middle yeah, of yeah. In the middle of conference play. Right. Yep. Uh, you stop conference play. Big game. It was you know first it was on you know it was on nineteen xix. Yep. The Bearcat bounce, baby. I missed it. Yes. <laughs> and the game was so good and it was so big that ESPN said, "Wait, we got to get some of this." Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know about it was like this. We got to get some of this, and then went to ESPN, and ESPN sort of just lumps it in there with Rivalry Week with every other rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. so and it's 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 a great thing. But you don't get your own weekly buildup, right? Right. Nationally, mm-hmm. now you do basketball-wise because I believe we play. Uh, I think we don't have a game that week. You know, we play Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast, and then and then and Xavier, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. we got you know a whole week buildup, and it used to be that way back in the day because right. you know when I ran my mouth that we'd blow Xavier out. <laughs> no, not week. you. You would never do anything like that, Terry. <laughs> I had a whole week to to, to you know tripods in the in the in the gym every radio station tv station calling me wanting me to rehab the story of what a crosstown shootout is like it's rival gang members brother i, was just, I, I, I seen real crosstown shootouts i had right. to duck you had to eat breakfast on the floor sometimes but you know be me being a jokester it got me in trouble for five straight days until right. you had to play the game right and so but both coaches like each other there's no animosity uh, between it, so it's kind of yeah, hard it's to not get the build up. <laughs> We didn't have a skyline chili dinner, 
yeah. with the coaches to get together and saying niceties to back, back and forth to each other. Right. We didn't have that. It was like, no, we're going to smash their ass. Uh-huh. And it was like, no, we're going to kick that. So it was like trash talking back and forth. Right. And then we would end it by going to the waterfront and taking all the women that they was, you know, having at that from their school. <laughs> all the yeah. Xavier women, all the Xavier women would show up looking all pretty and pristine at the waterfront. And they be, you know, all the Xavier guys be sitting up against the wall, you know, posting up, trying to look all cool and be like, come on, girl, come with us. Now <laughs> uh, we're probably conquered, did, conquered and took your woman. There you go. I said we're probably dating ourselves because Neil probably doesn't even it doesn't even know any of that stuff. <laughs> what how it used to be. So because I mean, I remember like Bearcat basketball when the first got really taken over, not taken over, but promoted on ESPN a lot. And we had Midnight Madness and Dickie V was there and I can't remember who was a student hit the half court shot. Yeah, Corey, and, and uh, Corey, Corey Holcomb, that Corey, yeah. Corey something. Yeah, I remember. So I mean, it was it was big, and that's that's for me. That's what I I think we're on the verge of of getting back to this year. Well, now with that being said, we're going to roll into the Big Twelve, and it's it's a it's a big jump for us from 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 the AAC to to the Big Twelve here. And I personally think the Big Twelve is top two conferences in, in the nation. I mean, honestly. The top, yeah, the top, the top. So, where, how, what's your confidence, and what, what do you think? I guess record-wise, can the because the thing is, the American, we had to win almost every game to to get into the NCAA tournament. Big Twelve, you don't have to, and I'm not, I'm not saying that as the, the Bearcats aren't going to do that. I don't know, but it, that that's where the conference helps you with a chance, a better chance to get into the NCAA tournament. So where are you guys at as far as how the Bearcats will do in the Big 12, and are they a tournament team this year? Yeah, go ahead, Neil. Yeah, I mean, for heading into Big 12 play, I mean, we talk about the best conference in college basketball in the Big 12. I mean, West Virginia last season is a prime example of how good this conference is because they started 0-8 in conference play and still found a way to make the NCAA tournament. Yep. That's a huge momentum standpoint because, I mean, in the AAC – you literally have to win basically 20 games at least through the season and you can maybe only lose four or five conference games. Right. You have to be up there and you have to be first or second in the conference to even get considered for the NCAA tournament right. in that conference. But overall heading into this season, I mean, you get Aziz back. If they can get Jamil back as well, I mean, you're back at full strength. Oh, I think this Bearcats okay. team will be top four in the Big 12. I think they match up really well with some of the opposing teams in the conference, if they can get Aziz and Jamil back. But, I mean, you're looking at teams right now. Kansas came in ranked number one. They obviously have struggled throughout the season. I mean, they're playing like a six, seven-man rotation right now. They don't have that much depth on the bench. Baylor's looking great right now. Jacoby Walter, arguably a top-10 prospect, top-10 player coming into the country this season. He's doing great things at Baylor. Texas adds uh, Max Abemis. So, overall, I mean, you're looking at a Texas, a Baylor a TCU Oklahoma's are even climbing the ranks a little bit more. So this is a team, uh, just a conference in general that has a lot of powerhouses, but me personally, I feel great about what Wes Miller and his staff did in the portal and on the recruiting trail this season that they added solid pieces to where they could go out there and they could make it arguably a great run for a big 12 championship. Now you get Jamil back on the court. I would say they finished top three, top four in the conference in year one. Sounds good to me. What do you got, Terry? Uh, I agree with that. Um, Cincinnati is talented and loaded, and the more they play these games and they start to find who they are, 
mm-hmm. and who your go-to guys are going to be and how you're going to get your shots off. You know, you got two new point guards and very talented point guards. But the key to a point guard is knowing where your players like to hit their shots in duress situations, you know, right. where they're being duress. Um, you know that Skillings is a baseline player. You know that C.J. Frederick loves the wings. He likes those, you know, those wing shots. He'll pump fake sidestep, dribble you, and, and, and let it fly. So how to get those guys going, how to get a bucket. You're going to have to learn to manufacture a bucket. And then you're going to have to learn to play through physicality because once you get in the Big 12, fouls that you think are fouls, they don't call. Hand checks, they'll call. You'd be like, damn, that you're going to call this? But you don't call that. Right. And I'm bleeding. My neck is cutting. <laughs> right. You know, so it's just there's certain things you just got to let go um, because they want the flow going. You're going to have major matchups where mm-hmm. national, uh, you know, commentators are coming in and they're they're talking about the Bill Self. They're talking about uh, the, the uh, you know, the, the Houston's, the Texas Tech's. The conference is loaded. I mean, if you look at West uh, West Virginia, they had a very good defensive team last year. Couldn't score with a hundred dollar bill in a brothel. I mean, they just—it was a hard time for them scoring. But they found a way to work. You know, eke out games. They went on an eight, like you said, an eight game losing streak, and still find a way to get games because it's hard to win in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have depth, I'm talking about quality depth. I'm just talking about not just playing ten players. Like the Bearcats legitimately have ten players that could, on any given night, get you twenty. Okay, so now do we have who else do we have that are stoppers? Right. You know, do we have another shot blocker? You know, Odie's not necessarily a shot blocker. He rim runs. He you know he rebounds. He, he plays got one hard. last night. <laughs> yeah, he got one last night. Yeah. Vic, I've been on Vic. I'm like Vic. You had 46 blocks last year. You only got mm-hmm. two this year. You got to give me some more. You know, and he came out. He had some big blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the game against Howard. Right. But Bendigo, he's he's finding out his rhythm. Like, he has got a smooth offensive touch, jump hook left, right. You just haven't seen it yet. He's worked on his finishing around the basket. Of course, you see the dunk he had against Howard where he was swinging like he was in a Tarzan movie. Yeah, or I, I'm like afraid he's going to get a technical on that one, to be honest. As long as he held on to that rim, I was like, get off of it. They're going to tee up. But they didn't, which was surprising. He, just, he, he springs so quickly. Mm-hmm. But his he only has one block on the season right. because everybody is avoiding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's missed a couple, so his timing is not there. But when we play against teams with traditional bigs, he's going to have block opportunities because they're going to try to post him. They're going to try to dunk on him. Mm-hmm. They're going to attack with floaters and all that stuff. So as he goes for the block shot, what we did a poor job of doing is when he goes for the block shot, we got to step in there and rebound. we got to right. box out guys. So the formula for winning is going to be much different than the formula for winning uh, in, in the AAC. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. AAC, if you hit threes, you're going to win. Right. In the Big 12, not only do you have to hit threes, you got to box out. You got to win the battle of the boards. You got to win some attrition. You got to make some free throws. You got to go through the emotional swings. You're going to get some fans bases that are going to call you out your name. It's going to be, you know, they're going to treat you like the ugly stepchild that wasn't invited to Christmas and you showed up anyway. <laughs> they're going to treat you bad because your first time in there, they're going to try to let you know this is our conference. Right, right. No matter where you go, everybody's going to be trying to get that sea paw and attack that sea paw. But we have to be vicious to say, no, 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 we're bringing the fight. You're not going to mm-hmm. let – I don't care. Winning on the road is the best thing you can ever do in a, in a conference. 
because mm-hmm. it, it says dominance. Everybody plays great at home. And wear the black uniforms, baby. That, everybody plays great yep. at home. But mm-hmm. you remember the Darnell Burton years. Of course, yes. our years. I, I can already tell about but the Darnell Burton years and Lazelle Durton years and yep. the Ruben yep. Patterson years. Yep. When they were going to – they wear that black. And you'd be like, uh-oh, the Melvin uh-huh. Levitt years. And you'd be like, oh, man, these guys. And then when you saw Kenyon in the black, mm-hmm. when they had Pete Michael and all that, you'd be like, I can't wait. You know, you – you tell people to leave your house if they were talking too much because the game was on. <laughs> I saw I'm talking about, dude. That, that's yeah. that's one thing. We, we talked about the tradition. I am so freaking happy that they went back to a version of the old uniform. I know it's not the ones that, that you guys wore, Terry, but it's the one that I think the Bearcats became more, more well-known for is, is those uniforms and the all-black. Look, I've said this before with you on the show before. Nobody wore all black until the Bearcats started doing it. It's right. consistently. Not everybody does it because that was the thing. We came in all black uniforms, black hats on. We were the bad guys. We were coming to go steal your lunch money. And that's what we did over and over and over and over again. And that's where that's the attitude that this team has to have going into the Big 12. And that's the attitude that I, th- I, hate, I hate this team, but that's the attitude I think the Houston Cougars have had. And I for the love of God, would have beat them so bad this year. I'm hoping you guys tell me we got we got a legit shot at actually beating them because the Cougars, they're the Bearcats of old because they will foul you without getting called. They'll they'll, they'll box you out. They'll, they'll they'll nudge you. They'll do all the stuff that we did. They used to drive everybody nuts, and we get away with it. Now Houston does that. Are we going to have a chance to 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 take it from them this year? Got Neil, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this is definitely a different Houston team from a season ago. I mean, they arguably don't have a guy like Jerace Walker down low who can just go get you 20 at any point from inside the paint, outside the paint. But they do have tremendous guard play. I mean, LJ Cryer, the transfer from Baylor, leads the team in scoring. Uh, Jamal Shedd is a nitty-gritty defensive guy who can get you a bucket at times, too. And then they have those two guards off the bench and Terrence Arsenault and Emmanuel Sharp, who are great players as well so they're guard heavy which is going to match up great but our the real question is the Bearcats size over kind of plays to what Houston's trying to do so I think that there's definitely a shot that the Bearcats can get it done versus Houston this season and it's also one I believe they have to come to fifth third arena this year so it's never easy coming to fifth third arena everybody knows that but I definitely like that matchup this season Terry what you got and we want parties. We want parties in Fifth Third. Mm-hmm. We want it to where you know the fan base gets there early. I'm, I've been trying to you know nudge them to let the fan base in there two hours early instead of ninety minutes. Yeah, get there early, have a happy hour on drinks. You know, for yeah. the first hour at least. You know, from five to six. I'll be there. I'm, I'm down for that. Five to six happy <laughs> hour. You know, beers five dollars. Then at six o'clock they can go back to twelve fifty, whatever they are. I don't know right. what it is, but. But get them there early, get them lathered up, uh-huh. um, and then make it a tough place to play. We've been really nice to uh, visiting teams, and that's not Bearcat basketball because Ooh. everywhere we go, they don't treat us nice. Mm-hmm. So we need to get back to being nasty and mean. And as as good as Houston is, Houston doesn't get consistent sellouts. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a metropolitan area that nobody. It's like Miami playing in yeah. Miami. Right. There's so much stuff to do that your hardcore fan base will show up. Right, but they don't get consistent sellouts. I mean, you look, you watch what they play. They always play a soft schedule. They'll have some national TV games, but they'll play a soft schedule. And you watch those fans, and there's empty seats all over the place. And it sounds loud because of the acoustics. It's not a very big gym, right? But you know, we'll play. Other than we you know, we had to have those two games we had to play 
earlier this year where it wasn't a part of the ticket package. You know, we get consistently, you know, nine to 10,000 on games where, you know, it's just a regular game. And that's just our fan, uh, our, our ticket base, our, our, our season ticket base. Mm-hmm. And of course, UC keeps blocks of mini packs available so people can still come to the games. But, you know, we'll still have 10,000 on a game against Bryant, you know, 10,000 mm-hmm. race, you know, fans is going crazy. So we need to have that going into the Big 12. We need to make it to where uh, it's one of those things where people just hate coming there. Yeah, and, and the thing is, and I still call it the shoemaker. I know it's fifth third arena, but it'll always, always be the shoe to me. But with the, the new uh, uh, stands and everything, there's not a bad seat in there. I mean, back in the old shoemaker, the corners, you'd sit up there and you'd be staring at, at the student section, you know. You're not there, you don't have that anymore. It is such a nicer place to watch basketball. So there, there nobody can complain about, oh, I'm up in the sky, I can't see anything. Bull crap. You can see everything. I, I've been in the in there a couple of times. It is, it is a great arena. And one thing I do want to bring up here that uh Brad brought up, and I think this is a big, a big thing that uh that Newman is back this year. I think that was a, a key loss to us last year as far as his defensive defensibility, his rebounding, and, and, and his leadership. Just speak on on how much of an asset he is to to the team. Uh, Terry, I'll let you go first. He leads by example. He's mm-hmm. physical. He's gained ten pounds of muscle. You can see it in his shoulders. He's got big shoulders, but more importantly, he's got a seven foot wingspan. He plays with an edge and attitude. Uh, he likes to bump you. He wants to reach you. Um, you know, I say this, and if I'm playing against him, I'm playing with a stun gun. Like. He, 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 <laughs> He invades your personal space, man. He gets too close to you. Yeah, he just he, he like he wants to take your soul. Like he just he has no chill. And when we're in practice leading up to the start of the, the season, coach had to pull him out of drills because he had to make sure he could just get him to the game. Right. Right. Like, do you realize you just came off a knee injury that kept you out all year? Slow down. He's like, I don't know how to play. I don't know how to slow down. I go one speed. I'm going right. after it. And if you want to take me out because you want to put somebody else in, great. But until you do that, I'm picking up where I can pick up. I'm going to play physical. I'm going to poke the ball away. That shot goes up. I'm going to elbow you. I'm going to try to take your soul so you don't try to come in there and rebound no more. Then on offense, I'm going to shoot the shot you leave open. But if you fly at me, I'm coming to dunk on your head. And when he dunks, he's trying to punish the rim. Like, everything is so physical. Uh, He has no finesse in this game. And I, I love that. And so he is the spearhead of what we're trying to do defensively. Yes, because when you think of Bearcat basketball, Bearcat toughness, Mm -hmm. John Newman's at the top of the pile. Exactly. Neil, what do you got on on, on, uh, John Newman? Yeah, Terry hit it uh, nail on the head there. I mean, John Newman is a guy who's going to get in your face. He's going to make your life basically hell when he's guarding you. I hate to say it like that, but he he will be nitty-gritty in your face, never going to get up. And, I mean, you saw the impact he made the very first game this season, right when he came back off the knee injury. I mean, it wasn't an easy knee injury to overcome for one. And then he comes back. And I mean, look at the impact he's made. I mean, Wes Miller has always said how much John Newman means to this team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people are starting to get the glimpse of it. Like John Newman is the glue guy to this team. And a lot of people are starting to see it, but man, he is the definition of a bear cat. He is going to be, he'll probably go down as a fan favorite in recent years for what yep. he's done here at the Cincinnati. He does everything the right way, yeah. leads by example, as Terry mentioned. But overall, he's just a genuine person. He always talks to people, always takes time for the fans, check in on people. He's just one of those kids you want in the gym and want on your team. 
in as many years as you possibly can. It sucks how it happened for John Newman and stuff, but man, we're glad to have him back in that Bearcat uniform. And he's going to be a key piece to this team this season. And it's going to be an exciting season for John Newman as well. Yeah, I got, I got goosebumps just listening to Terry talk about because I'm like, I'm sitting there going, that's Bearcat basketball. That's that's the team. That's the attitude that I fell in love with with this team. And now with that being said, and I always bring this up to, to you, Terry, is I, the one thing I absolutely loved about the Final Four team you guys had is, is picking up the defense full court. Has Wes said anything about – I know it's early in the season. If it happens, it might not be till later. But is, there, is that in the arsenal with this team? Is, is putting that, that pressure on them, picking them up full court? At times, I mean, you just don't want a steady diet of it because you got offensive players that are not good in the press. You know, right. Lukosius is not, CJ Frederick is not. So you don't want those two scores get picking up fouls because guys are blowing by them and they're trying to reach and cut them off. Mm-hmm. So you have to be selective in what you do. You can pressure without pressing. Mm-hmm. So you can pressure at half court, force a guy a certain way, ice him to where you can only stay on one side of the floor, send them to baseline to your shot blockers. Um, so there's different things you can do, but the traditional Bearcat press. You won't see that this year with the Bearcats. Okay. All right. I got a question here from uh, Brad. Uh, this is directed to Terry and, and Neil. You can answer too. He said, uh, uh, how about big 12 teams make the tournament? 11. <laughs> there you go. 11. 11 out of 14 will make it. Uh, eight, I think eight made it last year. You add four more teams. Uh, it is just, it's going to be hard to keep the other teams out. Like there's no justifiable reason for the best conference in America to have just as many teams in the conference as the big, uh, the ACC or the or the Big East. No, if you got this collection of talent in a conference, and they're all beating up on each other, and some will have seven and you know eleven records or whatever, they're still going to get in the tournament because their strength of schedule is stronger. Mm-hmm. They're going to have more quad one wins, more quad two wins. They're going to have more abilities to to show because they're going to be on the national stage and national spotlight majority of their games. The national commentators are going to be talking to them, talking about them. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, think about it, if you lose a game by 30 and you come back and you beat a Texas at Texas, you evened out. Right, right, so right. You know, you lose a game in the AAC. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's no way in the world. Don't get in there. Yeah. But the Big 12, you're going to have some, some lopsided wins, some lopsided losses. You're going to have a lot of parity. You don't have a lot of possessions that come down to the last three more four minutes of the game. You know, a lot of games that come down to those kind of uh, possessions. So I, I, when it's all said and done, I believe we'll get 11 in the tournament. Sounds good to me. All right. I, I want to I'll get you out of here on this, Terry, because I, I don't want you to hurt your voice anymore. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you had the opportunity to to watch your, your teammate and, and your brother, the guy you came to the University of Cincinnati with. Uh, Corey Blunt go into the Bearcat uh, Hall. Hey, yes, yeah, baby, and it's long overdue. Um, how what was the feeling like and the pride that you feel in that as being, you know, you like I've said this before. You guys are the the ones that that brought Bearcat basketball back. You you guys are the ones that started this whole thing, and to see your boy go in there, what what was that like for just for you to watch that experience? That he got in. That means we all got in. Because I remember the, the the journey, you know, when we got here from California and Corey was wearing cutoff dickies, you know, those khaki <laughs> pants. Yeah. He had on Raiders, Raiders sweater with cutoff khaki pants and in a in a in a Raiders beanie with the brownie paint gloves that you wear. Like <laughs> he was gangbanging, gangbanging, right? <laughs> I'm like, man, it's 85 degrees at night in Cincinnati, and you wearing a beanie with a sweater. <laughs> like, cause that's all he knew, you know, just, 
Right. And then the, all of us coming together and, and hitting the gym. Like we used to go to prime time in the clubs yeah. and water. Tore prime time down. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so everywhere we went, we went as a unit mm-hmm. and we hung out together. We played dominoes together. We played cars together. Like we, I remember the first time it snowed and Corey called me. We had finished playing UAB. It was like first game in January. And Corey called me. He said, man, look out the window. It's like two o'clock in the morning. And I look out the window and he said, man, this is why we came here. He's crying on the phone. I'm crying on the phone. And it's like we see snow. This is the first time we ever seen snow. Right, right. And so That's he's like, man, I'm going outside. So we, we layer up and we, we go outside, right? We're taking the lunch trays and we're sliding down hills and stuff. <laughs> so we start making snowballs and we start throwing them at the other athletes' windows because we're staying in Dabney. And they start looking out the window. Come on out. Next thing you know, the football <laughs> players, the, the women's volleyball, the basketball players, the, the women's basketball. We had over 200 athletes out in the middle of the quad area having snowball fights. But, thank God morning. this is before video cameras on phones. <laughs> <laughs> we had so much fun. But seeing the journey from that mm-hmm. to where Hugs was getting complaining that, you know, you dribble too much in the post. He's like, shit, you recruited me to dribble in the post. I was dribbling when you recruited me. Now you're going to tell me don't dribble? To see the struggle from that, yeah. To see how he progressed to be the anchor of one of the best defenses in his Cincinnati history. Yep. And the best. Get, yeah, and then to see, uh, to see him get drafted in the first round and to mm-hmm. play with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson. Yep. The career he had, marry a beautiful woman, have five children, and just continue to be an inspiration and come back, and to see how he represents not just Cincinnati not just the University of Cincinnati, but the, the, the Cincinnati community as a whole, I couldn't be more proud of him. And then to finally get his due, when he when he found out he was going into the to the Hall of Fame, uh, he, he put in our chat thread, he's like, hey, man, I'm going into the Hall of Fame. And we were like, man, that's it's about time. And he's like, I didn't think based on stats I would get in. It was like, stats? Stats? What the hell, <laughs> what the hell stats got to do with it? I know this generation is stat crazy. Yeah. But even the people that's voting weren't around, um, you know, when it came to him playing. Right. But you were the anchor of the best defensive team in Cincinnati history, and you yep. played 11 years in the NBA. So you should be in there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm so happy that, that that happened for him and, and for you to be able to enjoy that. And like I said, I I, I've, I might be over speaking here, but it kind of feels like we're on the verge of getting back to where we were. And I am for one ecstatic about it. Cause I'm tired of, of the Bearcats. Nobody put, put any emphasis on the Bearcats name. I, I feel like it's gotten kind of gotten down a little bit compared to the way it used to be back at, back in the nineties and stuff. When I, when I grew up, well, I grew up in you know twenties, but you know, back, back in the day. And that's where I think we're on the verge of Terry. I appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna let you go. So you could rush your voice. Anything you want to plug for, I'll let you go, man. No, sir. Just get ready for this game. Coaching show Thursday at Montgomery Inn. Come on out. It's always a good time. I'm telling you, it's from 8 to 9 at Montgomery Inn. Have a couple glasses of adult Kool-Aid. Have some world-famous ribs, or you can have some wings or any kind of the great stuff on the menu. But you get a chance to, you know, talk to Coach. It's a great, relaxed environment. You should come on out. You, you've you been there. You I've came there. there. Times, yeah, yeah. You've been there a couple times. So, Come on out, Neil. Get a chance to talk to the coach. Let him know who you are. Make yourself ingratiated with the program. Maybe even get an interview with him in the future. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to meet him. Get him on my podcast. <laughs> He'll come on too if you, you know. Oh, you dude, don't, you, you don't have to tell me. You have to get me with a good time. I'll, you know, I'll be there. <laughs> and if it's not him, get some of the assistant coaches. Yep. 
like they would they would love to get on there and you know and tell their story and all that stuff. So I, don't I, just put all the pressure on him because he may may not be on be able right, to because right. of the because of the season. So the, what what day is that again? Thursday. Thursday. So this this Thursday at the original Montgomery Inn. Yes. All right, Terry. Appreciate you, bro. As always, thanks for coming on, dude. All right, my appreciate brother. You, Terry. Appreciate you. Thanks, Take it easy. Yeah, get him out of here. He's 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 playing hurt for me. He's in there sipping tea, so I, I I didn't want him to hurt his voice anymore. We need him for uh for Sunday. We can he can do the broadcast again. Uh, but I got uh, get this question here from Brad, and and, and you you can you can answer it uh, or give us your thoughts. So why are most of the home games on ESPN Plus? Does that doesn't matter to me, but I will be there. But UC is losing money, and it does drive me nuts that they are on ESPN Plus just because of especially the broadcast we had to watch there, and that was awful. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's it's Howard. It has a lot to do with why I was on ESPN Plus, but what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, obviously, the game last night versus Howard was definitely just the ESPN Plus thing. But uh, ESPN Plus has actually been one of the the main broadcast streams for the Bearcats uh, since I started on the beat in 20, uh, 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. So they've been one of those guys who have always been plugging us in ESPN Plus, but now that the transition comes to the Big 12, I think definitely you will see more games start to go away from that route. Obviously, everybody knows the Big 12 games are mostly ESPN, Fox, right. all the bigger uh, sports channels. But ESPN Plus is just one of those things, too, where it's they keep it for the non-conference games because everybody knows with a uh, non-heavy non-conference schedule, if you're not powerhouse or whatnot, most of these mid-major or low uh, – tier one division one schools at the bottom of their conference or whatnot that they're playing are going to be on ESPN plus because a lot of those smaller schools really embrace their brand on ESPN plus, but you see, I definitely will see them moving forward and you'll start to see them kind of moving towards the, the bigger games on ESPN, ESPN two throughout the season, especially now that being in the big 12, I think we'll see most of these games on a ESPN two and ESPN or something away from the ESPN plus. But I definitely think, They'll also have that opportunity on ESPN Plus as well. Yeah, I, all I know is I cannot wait for this basketball season to start. I, I've I've been this hyped up for basketball season in, in a while, so I'm I'm very ecstatic about what's going on and the possibility of oh, how good this this team could be. Uh, Neil, you've been on for almost an hour. I appreciate it, man. Tell me where they can follow you at and what you got going on. And, and I, you're you're going to be on a podcast, I believe. By you know, so so I believe you're going to be on some Believe podcast or something like that. Yeah. So. Uh, Everyone knows you can find me at the front office news, but uh, I'll be joining Russ Heltman and we'll be uh, doing a little Bearcats blitz action for those who have followed Russ throughout the uh, football season with Dominic Goodman and their show with Believe and Bally Sports. So be on the lookout. Uh, me and Russ are going to be tag teaming the Believe uh, Bearcats blitz episode for the hoop season. So something very fun and exciting to keep an eye on. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that opportunity, but just make sure you're tapping in with us at the front office news as well. I mean, obviously everyone who's followed the website, JT and myself as of late, saw 17 players hit the transfer portal on the football side of things. So just stay locked into the front office news. We'll get you covered all things Bearcats. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Hey, what When is your uh, first episode of the uh, on the Believe podcast? When is that dropping? Uh, that is a good question. We're still in the discussions of it. I believe we'll be filming sometime this week, though. Awesome, awesome. Now you uh, that'll be on the last to see that on Bally's Sports as well, too. Yeah, one show a week should be aired on Bally Sports. We're still figuring out the time frame from what it sounds like, but you should be able to expect one of them 
And then uh, you're, you're, you were filming something today at noon, weren't you? Uh, we were going to, and then we had something pop up. So we oh, had to reschedule. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I was going to plug that for you, too. But anyway, Neil, as always, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to, let's I'll get you back on with uh, we get more Bearcat stuff going on here, which with, with the way Bengal season is going, I'm definitely going to be talking more Bearcats and, and, and Reds and stuff. So just because I, 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 for my own mental state, I can't keep talking about how. What, how bad things are going with the, the, the Bengals. So, anyway, Neil, I appreciate you, brother, and uh, you have a wonderful day. Take it easy. Thanks for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Yep. See ya. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Oh, Chandler, you, oh, you went to you really you went to school with him? I didn't know. For podcast listeners, my son just well I put on here and said he went to school with Neil. So Neil, if you see, oh, I'll bring him back up here. You see that you went to school with my son? Apparently, yeah, I did. <laughs> Okay. That's, yeah, we sure did. Small world. That's interesting. Yeah, very small world. Well, cool. All right. Well, there you go. Well, I'm, now you, you now I now I know I know you know somebody else. Yeah. Hey, take it easy. All right, I had to bring that up. I'm like, well, do you really know? Anyway, um, yeah, go follow Neil. He does a great job there with the front office and everything else he's got going on. Terry does an awesome job. Obviously, the. Uh, Bearcat broadcasters. Um, hopefully, I'll try to get. I was trying to get Steve Logan on. I'm trying to reach out to him, Ruben Patterson. Uh, I've had Melvin Levitt on in the past. I'll try to get him back on. But yeah, we're trying to get some more uh, Bearcat stuff on here. Uh, obviously, I'm not giving up on the Bengals. We're still going to do Bengals stuff. Uh, tomorrow, I got a show coming up at uh, noon because the Cincinnati Reds signed a, a free agent pitcher uh, today, uh, a relief pitcher. Um, so we're going to have Jeff Carr from Locked on Reds uh, come on at noon tomorrow, and we will discuss that. Who knows? Maybe we'll discuss another uh, signing or trade or something. Uh, but, yes, it is uh, – uh, yeah, Pagan. That's his name. Uh, Emilio Pagan. So he's a, a relief pitcher from the Minnesota Twins. So we were just talking about this yesterday with, with Skinny on my early show uh, yesterday that I wasn't exactly worried that the Reds hadn't done anything yet. Uh that it's going to happen. I still believe it's going to happen. There's rumors out there for uh, Justin Bieber. There's a uh, rumors out there for Areza, the uh, outfitter for the, uh, for the uh, Tampa Rays. Um, so there are lots of rumors going around. And usually when there's that many rumors, something's going to happen. So don't lose hope, Reds fans. I think they're going to do something this weekend. We've got Reds Fest coming up uh, Friday and Saturday. I'll probably, I'm hoping to be down there Saturday. I'm trying to get down there. I uh, go uh, check that out. But anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Rockets, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, and TikTok. Twitter X handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. All the rest of them are under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'll be pulling a sign off later on tonight, putting on the podcast. It's on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and re review. Leave a five-star review and a comment. Some more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, we're at 2,438 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching the show and you haven't hit the thumbs up, please do. If you're watching it on the rewatch or uh, after it, I already uh, – did it live? Please hit the thumbs up, subscribe. If you're watching anything else, tell your friends, say names about sports strawberry ice. We're gonna have a very interesting offseason with the Reds. We got a cool uh Bearcat season coming up. We'll find out what's going on with the Bengals, draft, all kinds of stuff. Ready? Other than that, 
That's just sports, baby. See ya!